Right. Right, right, right. I'm going to get cracking really quickly because um, at the end of me talking, uh, we've got a, a bit of an interview we're going to do uh, to kind of get a bit practical about what I'm talking about. Just to let you know, in the, in the, um, in the notice sheet or in, in your um, guide, it would have said that Philip's preaching today. He's still making amends. He's getting a bit better, but we've got to carry on praying for him. He would have been preaching today. He would have loved to be here, but uh, it'd be great if you could just keep him in your prayers over the next week. Um, that'd be wonderful. Um, and if you've got your Bibles, you can start to turn to Mark chapter 6, um, verse 30 to 32. We'll come uh, back to that scripture in a little while. I want to set the scene a little bit before, beforehand. So, wouldn't it have been exciting to have spent three years following Jesus? Don't you think that would have been cool? Just following him around, watching what he de- did, listening to what he was saying... Uh, learning from him and, and trying out some of the stuff that he was doing. That would have been exciting. It wouldn't have even just one year or maybe even do a bit of work experience with him. That would have been a pretty cool opportunity, wouldn't it? The, the Gospel of Mark um, tells the story of Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. And it's the story of Jesus going to the cross. He was Jesus, God's chosen Messiah He was going to save the world. He did it by going to the cross, uh, uh, being victorious in life, being victorious in death as he rose again. But there's another storyline going alongside this story. It's the story of Jesus training up his disciples. Because Jesus knew that after he was gone, it would be the, the job of the disciples to take the kingdom forwards. And so there's this parallel story going on, on, on of Jesus uh, training his disciples up. And it was a little bit like an apprenticeship. Uh, do you know, in, in our day, if you're... It, you're uh, is this going funny? Is that right? If maybe you're a, uh, you're, you want to become an expert baker or a builder, you'd enter into apprenticeship. So it's not sitting down and writing essays about how you do this or that but it's getting alongside an expert and watching them and learning from them and spending time with them. And then they might ask you to do uh, really crazy things like hand you their tools or something like that for a little while. And once you've learned all the tools, maybe they'll give you a go at doing one or two things. And eventually their aim is to teach you all the most important things about that trait so that you can go off and do it on your own. So you become the expert in the field. And that really is what Jesus was doing with his disciples. He was training them. He was teaching them everything they needed to know to be like him. Imagine being a disciple of Jesus. It wouldn't ever be boring, would it? If you think about it, uh, the Gospel of, of Mark, it, it runs for three years, uh, Jesus, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry until the end, and it's never for one moment boring. There's huge highs, dramatic highs, and there's deep, deep lows, terrible lows. Imagine how emotionally draining it must have been for those disciples and for Jesus over those three years. The highs, think about the healings. In the name of Jesus, people that have been blind can see. People that have been lame for life can finally walk. Amazing. And you get to witness it with your own eyes. 
You see people oppressed by demons set free and no longer have to stand in that tyranny and they they are free to live and to follow uh, God and to serve Christ. Amazing. Imagine being there when thousands of people are listening to the teachings of Jesus. And the thing about the teachings of Jesus is they set the standard for how we live our life even in the West today. The things that we learnt from Jesus, we've put into practice, and many of our laws are actually based on, on what Jesus talked about in terms of right and wrong and all ethics and all of that kind of stuff. And imagine being there the first time he ever pronounced that stuff to humanity. Wouldn't it have been an exciting moment? Wouldn't it have been cool if you were there when you saw 5,000 plus women plus children being, um, being fed by two lo- uh, five loaves of fish? Isn't it? Going off and on. Don't know why. Sorry about that. That would have been a huge high. It would have been exciting to follow Jesus. And then he sends you out. Last week, Paul was talking about how the disciples were sent out to go and do the same stuff. That would have been an exciting experience for the disciples. But also, there were deep, deep lows. Remember when Paul talked last week about how Jesus went to his hometown. And he had seen loads of stuff, loads of things were happening. It was really exciting. He was starting to get a bit famous and people were coming to, to listen to him and, and to be um, kind of healed by him and all of that stuff. Jesus goes to his hometown and he's rejected. The people that he, he, he kind of grew up alongside looked at him and said, you're just the illegitimate son of Mary. Why are we ever going to listen to what you've got to say to us? Imagine as a disciple watching the face of Jesus as he realized the people that he loved all his life were rejecting him. That would have been a tough moment. Or imagine if you were there when, again, Paul talked about this last week, where, where the news came that, that his best friend, that his cousin, that his spiritual mentor, perhaps, John the Baptist, had had his head cut off because a king wanted to have some fun at a party. Imagine watching Jesus' face as he learnt that kind of news. That was a deep low. Imagine being there where people accused him of all sorts of nonsense. Jesus is a glutton and a drunkard. He just wants to hang out with people that are the, 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 the lowest of society. People said to the, the religious leader said of Jesus that he was the devil in disguise. Imagine being one of the disciples. Knowing Jesus, knowing the compassion and the heart of Jesus and listening to these accusations, how tough that would have been. So there were huge highs and there were huge lows being a disciple. And so my question and and what it got me thinking was, how did Jesus deal with this emotional roller coaster? Huge highs and terrible lows. Today, we know all too well how hard it is to deal with both success and rejection. Who can get the most followers on Twitter, friends on Facebook, likes on Instagram, kudos on Strava? I learned that one this week. I've, uh, I, I only wanted to get that in. I feel sorry, there's this guy that keeps on high-fiving me, and I'm like... Oh. 
Anyway, who, who, you see, we are, there's something about us that is craving attention as individuals, as, as a society. We want people to recognize us. We want people to be thinking. We want to be on the top of people's minds, and we want it all to be good. But the problem is it's not working out like that. An article, um, you know, so thinking about teenagers, an article in response to some re- um, recent research said this, while teens... If you're a teenager, or nearly, listen to this. Okay, an article in response to um, recent research said this. While teens can use social media to connect and create friendships with others, that's a good thing, through it they are also exposed to cyberbullying, trolls, toxic comparisons, sleep deprivation, and less frequent face-to-face interactions, to name a few. Studies suggest that social media is creating more problems then it's solving. So that's, that's the kind of um, what we get out of some of the data coming out. It doesn't get better for a, a lot of students. Depression among students is at the highest rate ever. A recent survey of 38,000, that's a lot, 38,000 students revealed that over half had reported deep feelings of anxiety, loneliness, and thoughts of self-harm. And fear of comparison and fear of failure were two of the things that were highlighted as reasons for that. It doesn't get much better among men. Suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. What are the causes? Loneliness, rejection and feeling of inadequacy on top of other things. You see, we live in a society that knows what it is to deal with huge highs and really deep lows, and it's struggling to know what to do about it. So how did Jesus deal with these things? Because being human, he was susceptible to all of the same human pitfalls that we are, and yet he never sinned. He was susceptible to pride and arrogance, and anxiety, and depression. So how did he do this? His ministry was in the kind of place where Eva could be could happen to him very easily. He had lots of popularity and there were lots of haters. How was he going to deal with it? How was he going to stop himself becoming proud and arrogant when things were going really well and people were coming up to him and saying, you're so amazing, Jesus, we love you. How was he going to keep that right in his head? And when things were going bad, how was he going to stop himself from becoming spiritually depressed when the attacks were coming and the accusations were coming? Now, the key is a key lesson for our life. What he did is key for us to understand um, how we should do things. Remember, Jesus was training his disciples. So he knew that, he, that they would find themselves finding, uh, facing massive highs, many people following them, amazing miracles, lots of attention, and desperate lows. Persecution, suffering, rejection. And death. And Jesus wouldn't always be there to take them through it. So, how did he teach them to deal with these things? That's what our verses today look at. And I've lost my. Here we go. Here we go. So, it says uh, Mark 6, verse 7 to 12. Uh, Sorry. uh, Is that right? Mark 30 to 32. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. Just to remind you, Last week, Paul talked about how Jesus sent out the disciples to go and heal the sick and cast out demons and preach the gospel. 
Um, and, and this is immediately after that. John the, we've just heard news about John the Baptist being killed and then the disciples are coming back to talk to Jesus about what they've done. Then Jesus said, let us go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left their, um, by boat to a quiet place where they could be alone. Today, I simply want to highlight the critical importance it is that you spend time alone with your Father in heaven. If you're a disciple of Christ, this is a, a vital part of your, uh, your life as a disciple. It's, a, it's a, a spiritual discipline. When Mark wrote his gospel, he always wrote in a sen- with a sense of speed and drama to it. You'll notice that. He always says, immediately we went there, and then this happened, and then that happened. And by contrast to this, in nearly every single chapter, he points out that Jesus stopped and spent time with his Father in heaven. Sometimes he was on his own, and sometimes he took his disciples with him. Now these little comments that you will notice all over Mark are are nearly always they go unnoticed. I was supposed to be preaching on the feeding of the 5,000. It's a heavyweight story. It's a big thing about Jesus and the disciples. And I nearly glanced right over these um, verses. It was almost like God stopped me and said, stop. There's a huge discipleship point that you have to hear in those first two verses. See, the the truth is Jesus was always making time to to spend uh, and making opportunities to spend with his father always it was a a priority for for him if you're reading through uh, your your study guide your mark study guide did you know probably you did haven't noticed this mark has already commented on the fact that jesus took himself away to spend time with god nine times have you picked up on that he withdrew to a lonely place. He got up early in the morning while it was still dark. They went, he went for a walk around the lake. In all of these instances, he's saying Mark was spending time with his father. Sorry, Jesus was. In fact, in fact across the book of Mark, he, um, he mentions the fact that Jesus went away over 18 times. So that's more than once in every chapter on average so it's really important for us to get this why is it important to understand why Jesus was going away well because if if you are serving God and things are going really well maybe people are getting saved you're having great conversations people you're praying for are coming to know Jesus it's really exciting people are encouraging you the danger of things like pride and arrogance starting to dwell up in your heart is going to get bigger and bigger. And your, um, your kind of sense of self uh, pr- pride and self-determination or self-sufficiency is going to get bigger and bigger. And so you must keep going back to God to get yourself in perspective. And if things are going tough, you're, you're looking to serve God, but you keep failing on a moral level maybe or on a, just, just the mistakes you're making. Or perhaps you've been praying and praying for a husband or a son to come back to, come back to Jesus and it's like they're getting further and further away. Or things are just tough. The danger of things like uh, 
spiritual depression and anxiety building up in you is a very real thing. And so we've got to learn how to regulate our, our lives so that we don't become proud and arrogant or um, full of anxiety and spiritual depression. So the way Jesus dealt with these potential pitfalls were, were to withdraw from being uh, so that he could be with God. Um, <clears throat> it says in this verse, it says, News about him spread more and more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and <clears throat> to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That is actually from Luke um, chapter 5. So this wasn't just a, a one-off thing that Jesus would go and pray. It was a regular part of his pattern, and so we need to do it. Why, what are the benefits of doing this? Why did Jesus want his disciples to get into the habit of spending time on their own to seek the Father? I've got three quick reasons, and then I'm going to get some guys up to talk us about how they um, spend time with God. First of all, Jesus loved his Father. He loved he loved to spend time with God. And, you know, sometimes we think, I need to spend time with God because it's one of the things I need to do as a Christian. Well, the first reason I believe Jesus did it was because he had spent all eternity with his Father in heaven and he just wanted to spend time with him. We were talking about how we were befriended by the King above all kings. And we have the privilege of spending time with God. We can, we can pray. We can, we can be with Jesus. We can be with the Father through the Holy Spirit. Do you love God? Do you love your Father? Surely then you're going to spend time with Him. If things are tough at work, I might have a tough day. You know, things are, you know, lots of different things I've got to deal with and I've, I've had a bad day. Or I've had a really good day. Lots of great things have happened and it's really exciting. At the end of the day, when I go home to Ali... I'm going because I want to be with her, not because I want to sort out all of these problems. Does that make sense? And so it's important to, to think, actually, one of the reasons I want to spend time with my Father in heaven is because I love him, and I want to be with him, and I want to spend time with him. The second reason I reckon Jesus did this was because he knew that he was seeking to bring glory to the Father, not bring glory to himself. I think this is really important. When things go well and our propensity, our, is, it, is that a word, propensity to, to get proud about it, actually, when we go and we spend some time in worship, in adoration of God, it, it, it corrects our perspective. It's not about me, it's about you. I must decrease, you must increase. There's a sense of understanding he deserves the glory and we want to put it all back into perspective. And finally, Jesus wanted his disciples to know that their identity and their value was not based on performance. Things are going well. Things are going badly. God's going to love you. God's not going to love you. That's not what it was about. He came back to the Father because actually what he was more concerned about was his relationship with his Father. In that story where Jesus sends off the disciples and they come back and, and they talk to Jesus. And I love it because Jesus celebrates with them for a little while. And he says, oh, that's so exciting. You can see the excitement and, and, the, and the kind of the pride in, in Jesus like as he hears what the disciples have done. It's like, that's brilliant. That's such good news. But then he said, like after rejoicing, he says, but please remember, 
don't, don't celebrate because the demons flee at your name, but celebrate because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The f- most important thing to Jesus was not this happens and that happens and that was good and that was bad, but actually we have a relationship with our Father in heaven. Last Tuesday we had a Connect Group leaders training here and I wasn't at it. But so many people told me afterwards um, that the guys had done such a good job. And a few people contacted me and said, Stuart had done a fantastic job. He was teaching, on, uh, teaching the um, uh, Connect Group leaders on how to pray with other people. And uh, because so many people had said, Stuart was brilliant, I thought, I need to, I need to let him know. It's, it's, it's good to kind of recognise and thank and just um, you know, let, let people know that they've, they've done something good. But what I love about Stu is that he knows that his identity is not found in whether he's done a good job or a bad job. So he can accept the kind of encouragement, but it's not going to affect his position in Christ, and he knows it. And so he was saying, well, I know I can do, I can do this, I can do this, I could do that better, but it's okay, because I know that my, my, my life is hidden in Christ. And, uh, and we want to make sure that we're doing that more and more, isn't it? It's, it's that sense of, uh, we, we go away to be with the Father, to remember who we are. My life is hidden in him. I'm a child of God. Things might be going well, or people might be attacking me, but I know who I am in Christ. And uh, so that was why Jesus thought it was so important for, to, to get away with his Father. I'm going to ask, actually, so the, the, as disciples of Christ, we are likely to have huge highs and huge lows. One of the key ways of regulating and dealing with this is to spend time with our Father, the one that loves us, who is worthy of all we have to give. Um, I'm going to ask the three guys that I've asked to, uh, I'm going to interview them, so you know who you are. And uh, if you could come up and find a seat, because we're going to, it's all right saying you need to spend time more, more time with God, but actually, practically, how does that work in a busy London? Uh, so I thought, I'm just going to ask these guys some questions. Before I, I do that, I did think I, I should say this, actually. Um, have one of those, a special treat. Um, <laughs> I think I, I thought I should, I talked a little bit about depression at the very beginning, um, and I talked about spiritual depression. And I think it's just really key to make the difference. Spiritual depression is this sense of um, things are going tough uh, in my Christian walk. And it's getting me down. It's, make, it's, it's, it's making me question my faith. It's, it's, there's, there's, I don't feel whole. I don't feel complete. I don't know. There's a kind of sense of spiritually things aren't right. But there is also... Uh, uh, kind of medical depression and if you are please just hear me if you do suffer with with depression I am not saying the answer to your problem is to pray more I think it will help for you to spend more time with God but please listen to medical advice and take it on that's a really important thing and actually um, the guy that built this place Spurgeon was famously he was he was dogged with depression for most of his life and God did amazing things through him and so if you are struggling with those kind of things, don't think that means you can't be used. God can do incredible things for you. So keep, keep going to the doctor, keep going to Jesus, and see what God's going to do. Amen? Amen. Brilliant. Okay, so, hello. I did give you some advanced warning of this. So um, I, just, I, I was trying to think, should we stand up or sit down? But I thought it, I would go for sitting down. It feels more homely, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> 
So when I was preparing this, I was thinking to myself, um, it's all very well, but actually I get paid to spend time with Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's quite, you, you, you pay me to do that, that's one of my jobs. And so, so it's easy for me to say we should be spending more time with God, but how do we do that? And so I kind of picked three, peop- three people who I thought, thought represent kind of three different times of life and ask them some questions around it. So, uh, se- seasons of life. So, as a teenager, <laughs> so, oh, I should have worded that a bit better. Okay, actually, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to actually start with Courtney, if that's all right. Have you got Have you got a microphone there? You're going to have to talk into the microphone so everyone can hear. Hello. Hello. Brilliant. So Courtney is a busy, busy lady. She's got three, three boys. Uh, two of them. Sorry, sorry. Should have done my research. Um, and uh, she's married to Adam, who's a handful. And, um, and and two of the kids are still at home. You serve at, at Fab Fridays. You've got a connect group. You're doing all stuff stuff at school. And I was just thinking, how on earth do you find time to get alone? with Jesus. Have you got any answers? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I used to find it really hard when I first became a Christian that, you know, everyone used to talk about quiet time with God and spending a good chunk of time of your day with God. And um, yeah, I, I, I find that really hard with, with small kids, you know. Um, but um, a few things that I do um, is just kind of pray to God um, all day, all through the day, like little prayers, you know. It's for me a, a big, like hour of the day is too is too much for me to kind of get my head around, you know. In the morning, I'm knackered. At night, I'm knackered. Um, <laughs> <coughs> so it's just it's good to be realistic at where you are and what you're doing, like how busy your life is. And so for me, um, it's just like little bite-sized chunks, you know. Like so, the Mark study guide is amazing for that. It's been incredible because it's like a little bit. You just need to read a little bit every day. And for me, that is it. It just keeps me going, you know. And and just praying like all through the day. Like when I get up, okay, God, you know, just help me, help me make breakfast, help me have patience today with the kids. God, help me like. Um, just love that person today, you know, at, at, at the nursery, you know, help, like, give me good conversations with people, um, and just, like, I really feel like Jesus really just wants to be our friend, you know, just to have a relationship with him, and that's not just one part of the day, it's, like, ongoing, it's all through the day, and um, it's just to be aware and, and kind of acknowledge him through the day, you know, so um, I was reading this book, um, Purpose Driven Life, and there was a chapter on it, um, which was about friendship and um, he was saying about acknowledging God all through the day and I thought oh do you know what there's times in my day where I just haven't thought about God or spoke to him or anything for hours and I think oh God I feel really far away you know so I thought oh how can I remind myself to like be aware of God and so I thought oh, I'll put some reminders on my phone I'm always on my phone <laughs> so I'll put reminders on my phone so I, I, I like put three reminders on my phone one in the morning um, 
like um, invite God into your day. One, at, like lunchtime when I know I'm going to be looking at my phone. <laughs> like um, say, uh, be thankful, say, say something to God that you're thankful for. And then like at three o'clock, which is the worst time of the day for me, I, I really struggle with that time. It's just really hard. So I, I put like acknowledge God, you know, just inviting him in, just, just to constantly, yeah, be aware. So, Arita, um, Jesus spent some time, um, he would go on his own to, to spend time with the Father. Sometimes he would invite other people. How would that work in your life? What, what, can you give us examples of both of those? Okay. Um, a few years ago, I read a book called um, Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. And I found that, for me, it was quite helpful. So even before I get out of the bed, one time awake. I normally um, start talking to God, first of all, saying good morning to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. And then I'd be up, and a little bit like Courtney, I try and make it um, you know, right through the day. If I'm then going to pop out, I said, right, Lord, I'm thinking of going, you know, so you know, do you want me to go there, or would you like me to do something else? And you know, he often speak. I'll give a quick example. A few days ago, I was indoors, and I felt the Lord prompt me to go somewhere because I had a key to look after somebody's property while they were away. And I hadn't planned to go that day, I planned to go the next day. But going that particular day, there was lots of packages that were sitting on the doorstep and that could have you know, told people that they were away. So I was able to you know, put those inside. So again, you know, that was God prompting us. Courtney said, it's just you know, you know, picking those times as well. Also spending with, um, time with other people brilliant in the connect group, you know, being able to pray, you know, with others, but even, um, even to pray with others, I sometimes, as I go about my daily life, I might bump into people and, you know, um, Christians or non-Christian, I often pray with them or to pray for them, but I've been praying with somebody now for coming up to about 30 years, and that is spending time with somebody, you know, praying about, you know, various issues. One of the big things at the moment is praying for, you know, with the gun and knife palm among the youth. Because a few years ago, I thank God, you know, pop into my spirit, you know, to the seeds are destroying the seeds. So it's the male destroying the male. And if that happens, then, you know, the world will no longer exist with people. So spending time with God, as Courtney says, this all the time. Now, the brilliant time is if I've had people around for for lunch. They said, oh, let me do the washing up. I said, no, 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 please. And they'll, you know, um, plead. I said, no, leave that because as I'm doing the washing up, I'm spending time with God, you know, communion with him and also listening um, to him as well. So that's been absolutely fantastic for me. So that's a great time doing the washing up and just being um, communicating with God. That's brilliant. Wow. And I I hear the the person you've been praying with for 30 years is a pretty spectacular person as well, isn't it? Oh, yes, it's absolutely amazing. You need to come and join us. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's my mum. There we go. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You've lost your awards. Sorry. Okay. Um, so, Paul, one of the, one, often one of the, the problems people have with spending time with God is just time. Uh, busy lives, long hours. Um, but over the years, I've seen that you've found ways around that. You, you work hard, um, and yet you spend a lot of time with with your father in heaven so could you give us some advice some tips some just get our kind of creative juices flowing well sometimes it's life's a bit of a rush so but i do cycle to work and so cycling to work i 
often pray for different things. Um, there's sometimes prompts on the way that um, will prompt me to pray for things. That, so it's sometimes a little bit sort of not particularly spontaneous. Um, but uh, I'm very fortunate where I work. Uh, just across the road, there's an Anglican church that's got a chapel that's open most days. And so quite often at lunchtime, I'll, I'll go and pray and I'll take my diary and I'll write prayers down or what I'm, what's on my heart and things like that. But I get to get to sort of, you know, think about, meditate on what uh, God says about himself and about us and about um, different situations. So I, I do that. Um, but I, I, I love going for walks, prayer walks up to the river. And um, you might quite often find me up at uh, by the angel, just looking out over the river and just praying for the city and praying for um, just stuff that's going on, praying praying for the country um, at this sort of time of turmoil. Um, and lastly, um, I, I know a few people here do this, but um, sometimes just taking a day day off work and going to a retreat place. Um, uh, there's, there's one that's very close to here, just the other side of the river, uh, just the other side of the Rotherhive Tunnel called St. Catherine's, which is a beautiful place. Um, and it costs about 20 quid for the day, but um, just get to take some really good time with God and, again, just take a notepad and pray and just write stuff down and bring back to God some of the promises in the scriptures and promises from prophecies. And um, it's just always very renewing. Uh, to do that yeah brilliant listen thank you so much for all of those it's it's really helpful and hopefully you don't have to do it like in the same way as any of these guys but hopefully you you can see that there's lots of different ways of doing it so um, that's really really exciting so just to let you know um, Sue Ferret is thinking about in um, in the autumn term looking to get a, a kind of a retreat day or a couple of days away so if you've never done anything like that before and you'd like to give it a go go and have a chat to her um there's no dates yet but um if there's a if there's a groundswell of enthusiasm for it then we'll get a date out there and um she'll, she'll she's amazing at that kind of thing so she'll she'll um serve you well i just wanted to finish by say saying this um there are some some people here who maybe you're not a christian maybe you haven't given your life to jesus but life, there, there are highs and there are lows. But you kind of understood what I was saying about that regulating your, your life. And I just, I just want to say there is an invite for you to come to Jesus and to actually find actually healing and help and, and actually identity in Christ. Um, and if, if you think, actually, I need help. I can't, I, can't, I can't deal with these highs and these lows. I need, I need some help. Jesus is the right place to go. I want to read these verses. It's from uh, uh, the book of Matthew. It says, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, uh, and my prayer, if you're kind of struggling with the highs and the lows, but you don't have Jesus in your life, come to him. And that might, that might mean coming at the end of this service, finding me, and I'd love to pray with you. Um, if you are finding life tough on both ends, um, and you're a Christian, again, we'd just love to pray for you. In fact, Stu will be around. 
he's, he's brilliant at praying with people. So if you want to be prayed for in terms of um, all of that kind of stuff, please come find us at the end. 